It's This Week in Bourbon, where I've never actually selected the right derby winner. But here's your headlines for May 6th, 2022. A new state-of-the-art 72 million contract distillation facility will be built in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Buffalo Trace is fighting backlash from local residents of Peaks Mill as bourbon warehouse expansion begins, and Jack Daniels introduces Jack Daniels Bonded Tennessee Whiskey and Jack Daniels Triple Mash Blended Straight Whiskey. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000273. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Welcome back, everybody. This week in bourbon coming at you with just Kenny tonight. Ryan is out doing some derby celebrations. We were supposed to actually record on Wednesday, but he wasn't feeling too good. And then he felt a little bit better. And then we were supposed to record at 9 a.m. this morning, and I forgot about it. And then he, and he said, let's go ahead and record at 9 p.m. And then he's actually forgot about it. He's still at dinner. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead. We'll wing it. I'll do my best. I won't be able to have the funny one-liners that always Ryan's able to bring, but we do have some good bourbon news, so let's go ahead and do it because I know you want to get to it. So here we go. So news broke this past week by Janet Patton of the Lexington Herald-Leader, and she said that, that the Kentucky Economic Cabinet approved a $1.15 million in incentives for a project called KWH Ventures, and that was just formed with quotes that say, plans to be the top producer of volume contract bourbon and whiskey. 
So the plan calls for a $72 million distillery to be, to be placed in Hardin County, which is in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Where they're considering the building distillery will also make up to 175,500 barrels annually with a continuous and craft whiskey systems production. So she did some more digging. Who is KWH? And according to the state, ownership includes David Mandel and John Hargrove. Both of them were, of course, part of Bardstown Bourbon Company. We've had them on the podcast before. And last fall, David Mandel was hired by Stoli to work on that long-delayed Kentucky Owl Distillery, which was supposed to be built in Bardstown on an old quarry. Yet to this day, it makes us wonder what has been going on with that and has it been abandoned? Because this $150, sorry, $150 million project received approval for up to $2 million in incentives in 2017. So if you're thinking Stoli is just moving, well, guess again. She was told by a state spokesperson that this is a standalone project and not connected with any other distillery projects. So as we start thinking here, David Mandel was one of the key people that were behind the just behind Bardstown Bourbon Company. That's really what he helped build that whole thing. And now it looks like it's a recipe for success. And they're going to take that and kind of just rubber stamp it and just do a clone tool and build yet another distillery that's going to be a big powerhouse for producing more Kentucky bourbon. If I think about it, this just means one thing is that we are still at the tip of the iceberg. We are still on the hockey stick trajectory. And this is not, again, from a press release. This is something that Janet had dug up just through some <laughs> basically just finding things from uh, Kentucky government and and really what was out there. So I'll be interested to kind of see exactly what happens here to see what's going to be happening with David as well as John Hargrove. John was also at Bardstown at one point. He ran a lot of the operations, but it'll be interesting to see what happens here. And heck, I don't know, maybe we need to get in line. We always need more bourbon. I think everybody needs more bourbon. So there is going to be more need for more contract distillation to come in. But again, we've also heard some other rumblings that there uh, might be other big players out that might just buy it and swoop it up and just be a big contract distillation for their one brands. It could be things like Constellation or things that are uh, even bigger than that. I mean, Diageo, who knows? People need more places to, to produce whiskey. And, you know, if you can own the kitchen, you can do it for cheaper. So Casey Jones Distillery in Christian County, Kentucky, which is a few miles west of Hopkinsville or Hoptown, we like to say it around here, will expand its operation with a $1.9 million project. And the company said it will add a thousand gallon distillation tank, fermentation and mash cooking system to expand production capacity of bourbon and other spirits. Additional support equipment such as a bottling line, distilled water system and alcohol storage will also be installed. The project will include a nearly 3,800 square foot barrel aging rickhouse that will support the increased barrel storage and aging necessary for the expanded operations. This will create 15 full-time jobs for local residents. And Casey Jones Distillery was founded back in 2014, if you haven't heard of it. It's independently owned and it's a microcraft distillery based, as I said, in Hoptown or Hopkinsville, Kentucky. The company offers a full bourbon experience that includes tours, tastings, and various events throughout the year. And in 2019, the company's for the fifth, sorry for their fifth anniversary, they released their first bourbon, starting a new chapter of the company for helping to establish its premier producer of highly sought-after, authentic Kentucky spirits. So congratulations, Casey Jones. I have yet to go out there. I have no idea. I haven't been out to Hopkinsville in quite some time. So uh, be interested to kind of see what you all got cooking up and tasting some of that good Kentucky bourbon. Why not? 
So there's a coalition that is representing nearly 100 large and small American single malt whiskey producers across the United States. And they sent a letter to the Treasury Department of the Tax and Trade Bureau that we also like to call the TTB. And they're urging the Bureau to move forward with its proposed rulemaking to establish a standard of identity for American single malt whiskey. The letter was sent on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, or we always call DISCUS, and the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission. They stated the need for the development of a standard for this growing category has reached a critical moment as more distillers than ever are labeling their products with this term, while there are no formal TTB requirements for the American single malt category. The coalition pointed out that the regulations protecting the standard of identity for Scotch whiskey have been in place for generations, and that similar regulations are necessary to protect the developing single malt whiskey category in the United States. Discus and the ASMWC submitted official comments to the TTB in June of 2019 in support of establishing a standard of identity for American single malt whiskey. And that was part of the Bureau's 2018 rulemaking to modernize the label and advertising regulations for distilled spirits, wine, and malt beverages. Following that submission, the TTB placed a rulemaking regarding a single malt whiskey standard of identity on its semi-annual regulatory agenda in 2021, but it has yet to issue a notice of proposed rulemaking. Personally, I look at this and I think this is exactly the right move you have to make. If you want to protect the integrity of the spirit that you're creating, the same thing we do in bourbon. Bourbon is a, by law, it is a product that has to follow certain rules and you don't want anybody to come in and kind of mess with what you're doing. There's a lot of people like, uh, Westland and sorry, maybe Westward. I can't remember which one it was like, they're, they're trying to really spear spearhead this American single malt whiskey, uh, category. And if you have other people come in and they're going to try to interrupt this process, they don't want to be a part of it. They got to make sure that they they protect their ground. They want to make sure that the whiskey that they're creating is is going to be uh, sustainable by that. And one of the things that we also want to do is that since it's single malt whiskey and it's American, we want to protect it the same way that Scotch whiskey is protected. That can only be made in Scotland. And I think the the same rules are going to apply. It's just going to be a designation of where it is. But this just puts, a again, another stamp of approval saying this is now a distinct product of the United States, if, if you will. It's probably not going to go that far to call it a distinct product, kind of like bourbon is, but you want to see this for the people that are out there of those distilleries that are creating those products as well. So moving on. Now, so nestled in Frankfurt's Elkhorn Hills is the quiet community of Peaks Mill. And as the demand for bourbon increases, Buffalo Trace said it needs more space to store it, but residents think that their neighborhood isn't the place to go for it. It could be the new location of as many 20 new bourbon warehouses. And what we've seen over the past few uh, warehouses being built, they're around 50,000 barrels apiece. So they're pretty big. So part of the reason that Peaks Mill residents aren't welcoming a new neighbor has to do with a common side effect of storing whiskey. And that's the black angel share fungus, scientifically known as Bodonia Campanasis. I think I said that right, Campanasis. That's <laughs> that's what I get. But I know it's Bedonia. That's the first part. But the black fungus isn't the only thing keeping residents concerned. They're also bothered by how much more commercial traffic could be coming down the quieter two-lane road into their community that passes an elementary school. That's also sorry. There's also a legal factor at play. Taylor said that Buffalo Trace applied to rezone the farm from residential agriculture to industrial, but it was denied. 
He said that the distillery is now seeking a text change to the definition of residential agriculture zoning to allow whiskey barrel storage. Buffalo Trace, however, responded in an email that the distillery is confident the development will benefit the community by driving tourism, creating jobs, and increasing funding for schools and other local services. They also said bourbon warehouses are not a significant traffic generator and the warehouses will be placed in the middle of the property to create a buffer zone to the surrounding area. The spokesperson also said that the black fungus is common at all distilleries and there's no evidence that it causes any health issues. Buffalo Trace even started a new website called supportbuffalotrace.com where locals can go and actually sign a petition to support the expansion. It reads that local leaders need to hear your support investments that deliver new jobs and opportunities for our community and contact your local officials to show the need for responsible development at the Pike, sorry, at the Peaks Mill from Buffalo Trace Distillery, which will increase funding for schools and other local services. This is not a, a new argument that we've seen around Kentucky. Every single time there's been a, a huge expansion, more warehouses going up, you see towns like this that try to fight it time and time and time again. And I believe they have good reason. And if you go to Bardstown, I'm sure if you go to Bardstown, anywhere you go, if you look at the trees, you look at the road signs, you look at the sides of houses, you look at the sides of warehouses, what do you see? There is that black, well, it's not really fungus, but it is something. It is a black substance that is growing. And that is just part, it's a, it's a side effect of, of aging bourbon. And you can see that for miles. If you're on 64, getting off on the Bardstown Road exit, you can still see it on the signs there. And the nearest warehouse isn't for a couple miles away. At The closest ones are going to be over a Jim Beam. And so it just goes to show you that, yes, it does travel. And we've had instances before where we've talked about this with Master Distillers, and we were requested to actually remove this from the podcast because nobody wants to go on record talking about Bedonia and any kind of health effects, any kind of health warnings, even people want to say that it doesn't cause anything. Nobody wants to go on record saying it. So it's kind of one of these hidden secrets that nobody really likes to talk about, but it is a a true thing that small towns, they maybe just don't want to deal with it. You might just be pressure washing the side of your house for every six months for the rest of your life then, if that's what it kind of comes down to. And part of this is that you have to understand these are 50,000 barrel warehouses. Like these are huge. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be coming down to here. Now, I will agree that it will bring jobs to the area. It will bring more, more traffic. I mean, it won't bring maybe more traffic. It'll definitely bring jobs because these small towns need that. The traffic I'm not entirely too concerned about. I don't, especially the tourism. I don't know how many people are going to go on tours just to see warehouses in the middle of any, anywhere. You can do that today. If you're driving to Bardstown, there are literally, I mean, you can go to uh, the old uh, Booker's No plant. You can go to the old Deetsville warehouses. I mean, they're just off the side of the road. You just got to drive a little bit, but nobody makes an effort to go and see them. So I doubt that people are going to be going to these areas just to go and look at more warehouses being built. And even these are kind of just fancier new ones that kind of like just different kinds of siding. So I don't really think that's going to be a, a tourism destination at all, but I think it, and I wouldn't relate too much about commercial traffic. Sure. I'm, there's going to be people that have to move barrels, but that's a few semis a day. Like that's, that's really not that big of a deal. I would think that the Bodonia is probably the, um, the, the biggest thing that people are kind of fighting against. I also thought it was interesting that instead of taking this head on and trying to fight it through city matters or anything like that, that Buffalo Trace actually created a website. They wanted to fight with the people and thinking that the people are going to get behind it. I'd be interested to see exactly what's going to happen. So if you haven't checked it out, go to supportbuffalotrace.com 
don't sign it unless you live in the area, please. Let, let's let that be a, a matter of a civil discussion there. But it is interesting to see that Buffalo Trace wanted to go on the offensive and create a website that kind of backed a lot of their findings or backed their position and is trying to make a trying to make a run at it. So I don't know. We'll see. You're, the problem is, is that there's going to be have to be more barrel warehouses and they have to be somewhere. And land is I'm not going to say it's it's cheaper, easy to find. I mean, it's it, you can find it, but you've got to find it in non-residential areas because there's a lot of people that just don't want it around. Granted, this isn't a, a huge city by any means, but you do have to kind of understand where the people are, where they're coming from. So make sure you go check it out. Supportbuffletrace.com. Let people know what you're thinking about. So airline travel, it's booming once again, and airlines are expanding their route networks and restoring in-flight perks like three-course meals and cocktails. But there's one airline that's still limiting booze for flyers and coach, and that's American Airlines. Their plan to phase in alcoholic beverages to economy class with also new potential limitations. It's a first-of-its-kind policy, and the airline's flight attendants union is requesting American to implement a two-drink maximum for all economy passengers. The new limit will be part of an ongoing effort to curb unruly and violent passenger incidents, which began spiking during the pandemic and often involved drunk flyers. The union cites the drink limit as a way to mitigate whether the mask mandate, alcohol, or a combination of both were to blame for the spike in unruly passengers. There's no doubt that the intoxicated airline passengers are a complex issue, and one of the airlines struggled even with before COVID. Sorry, that's the one of the airlines struggled even before COVID. Pre-pandemic, it wasn't uncommon for lawsuits to be filed against airlines and flight attendants, especially for quote-unquote over-serving passengers. Well, I guess that's just, you know, another swift kick to us peasants that always fly coach and economy. I guess that that'll teach us to get up to first class or at least try to get ourselves bumped up to first class whenever we can if you're if you're a globetrotter or something like that. But I understand this is one of those things that I'm sure and should I say there in this article, it was both ways. Some airline attendants said they're they're for this, some airline attendants said they're against this. Me personally, I don't really drink too much when I'm on a flight. If I do, I might have one. And if it's any more than that, it's got to be a pretty long flight. It's something to just kind of relax and like maybe help me go to sleep. I I think it's one of those things like you, you get on there and you're not going to make a great cocktail. You're going to mix your bourbon with ginger. You're going to get a maybe a vodka of something or gin. So at, at one and a half ounces, you know, it's going to take a little bit to actually do something for you. And I don't think I'm not really going to sit there and pay for, you know, $14 bourbons and get 10 of them. I think that's, uh, I think you're going to be wasting a little bit of money there, but Hey, that's, that's what some people love to do. But again, I guess if you want to get through that, I guess pay for first class and you don't have to worry about it. Don't be a commoner. I guess what it comes down to. So our last news story for this evening, or should I say for this section of it is that Shake Shack has unveiled its latest partnership and it's with Maker's Mark. The duo is launching an entire bourbon-inspired menu, joining restaurants nationwide today. It includes a bourbon bacon cheddar burger, a bourbon bacon cheddar chicken sandwich. So the bourbon bacon cheddar burger is a white cheddar cheeseburger made from 100% Angus beef, topped with bourbon bacon jam that's created, of course, with Maker's Mark, crispy shallots, and shake sauce on a potato bun for $8.49. Meanwhile... The bourbon bacon cheddar chicken sandwich includes a whole white meat chicken breast with white cheddar cheese and that same bourbon bacon jam and pickles on a toasted bun for $8.09. The unfortunate thing is living here in Kentucky, we don't have a Shake Shack. The whole, the whole thing here is that anytime I've had Shake Shack, it's usually at an airport. 
And it's usually after a few drinks at American Airlines. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not really, but there's a, I think it's a bad joke. I make myself laugh. I'd like to be able to see a Shake Shack here in Kentucky. Why not? I've heard good things. Actually, not even a Shake Shack. You know what I really want? I want an In-N-Out. I'm really jealous of people in California. I know there's one in Vegas as well, because I want to go get more burgers animal style whenever I can. But hey, if Shake Shack, if you're listening, go ahead. Um, maybe Pursuit will open up a franchise. If you're a franchise kind of thing in Kentucky, I think. Uh, but it, it can't be Maker's Mark. It's just going to be a whole bourbon kind of menu. And with you know Ryan, we got to probably fancy these burgers up a little bit more. So we'll add we'll add some some pickled onions, maybe some some nice little relish toppers or something like that. I don't know. We get bougie with it. But that's going to do it for bourbon news. Let's go ahead, take a quick break, and we'll be back with some bourbon release news. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. And here we are again, this week in bourbon. This time we're hitting you with some bourbon release news. And this one is for fans of The Real Housewives of New York City. I can't say that I've ever watched it before, but I'm sure that there's one or two listeners out there. Well, maybe. Who knows? Let's see if you let's see if you know what's going on here. So for fans of The Real Housewives of New York City, Bluestone Manor was more than a home. It was essentially a bonus cast member. And so Dorinda Medley, she owns the lush 11,000 square foot estate in Western Massachusetts, which is the scene of several prolific fights and dinner parties during her six seasons on the hit Bravo show. And true fans know that her catchphrase, I made it nice, was coined during an argument in the kitchen of the 120-year-old home. In August of 2020, she was put on a pause from the program, as she describes it, meaning that she wasn't asked back for another season, but also wasn't permanently fired from the franchise either. That's when she recognized a branding opportunity to give fans a piece of the Berkshire's house. Medley said, I went to an incredible party hosted by Jay-Z before COVID, and I was sitting downstairs at the club, and all the women were drinking dark liquor. I was thinking there was something incredibly powerful about it. We think of dark liquor as a male thing, but it's a huge growing market for women. So Medley scoped out a distillery in nearby Hudson Valley. 
that could help formulate the idea and found the Spirits Lab, which is a woman-owned company. They tinkered with some recipes and ended up on one that resembles the cozy nature of the manor. So Bluestone Manor Bourbon is a weeded bourbon that has been aged for five years in Cooper's Select Barrels. It's 90 proof and has an SRP of $45 and can be purchased on bluestonemanorbourbon.com. So I'm not a real housewives of anything. Atlanta, New York City, LA, I don't know. I don't watch any of those shows, even though my wife, I think, has got a little bit of affinity to watching those. I think she watches some called like uh, Selling Sunset or something right now, which is really weird because it's just people that make drama out of selling houses. And it's not even about selling houses. It's about the drama that goes on between people. But she's hooked into it. I, I don't know. That's just this people that loved reality shows. Anyway, if you're one of those people that love reality shows and you're a fan of Bravo, well, here is your opportunity to go and get a piece of bourbon that was part of the show. So, we've talked about black and American whiskey before. It's one of Metallica's kind of ex extensions of their empire. And they announced the release of Rye the Lightning, which is a brand new limited edition double cast Kentucky straight rye whiskey. The title of the drink is inspired from Metallica's six-time platinum selling album, Ride the Lightning. So Rye the Lightning is crafted from Kentucky straight rye whiskeys aged between five and eight years old with blackened master distiller Bob Dietrich hand-selecting them. They're transferred and finished in Madeira wine and Caribbean rum casks. Sonic enhancement is applied during the rum cask finishing, which involves the barrels getting pummeled by low hertz frequencies of Metallus music. It's said to cause greater interaction between the whiskey and the wood, thus extracting more flavors and color. The packaging has diverted from the company's typical look and has instead opted for a green sound waves design due to its historical significance. The SRP for the whiskey bottles is coming in at $70 and it's bottled at 90 proof. So we've covered some things about blacken before on the show and say what you want about pummeling whiskey barrels with low hertz frequencies, but I'll be damned if they don't find Kentucky rye whiskey between five and eight years old. I'm sure it was fine on its own. And then they want to go and finish it Madeira and rum casks. So color me intrigued. I kind of wanted to see what it was like before you did that because just call me a stickler for wanting to have some good old Kentucky rye whiskey and, and not, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, ruining it by any chance, but we all know. I mean, if it was great, it's always one of the things that you take a, you take an extra wine cask and it is, it's a gamble. You have no idea what's going to happen at the end of it, but apparently it was good enough to release. So if it's finished in Madeira and then in rum casks, I'll be interested to see what it tastes like. But again, I, I kind of want to see what it was like beforehand as well. So Jephtha Creed Distillery is re-releasing their 90% Bloody Butcher Corn Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This is an annual experimental release under their Bloody Butcher's Creed line. This one has a few different, I guess you could say, notables here. And that's the age is four years and nine months. The mash bill is 90% Bloody Butcher Corn, 5% Barley, and 5% Rye. You can purchase it at the Jephtha Creed gift shop online or actually... Or you can just at the at the gift shop or online, and the SRP is fifty three dollars. So that was a pretty quick little hitter there. There wasn't much else in the press release. I know that we did a whiskey quickie review of Jip the Creed when we started doing whiskey quickies, which was back in twenty nineteen, I believe. So you're talking almost three plus years ago, and we we didn't give it the most favorable review. However, I will say at four years nine months, I would be interested to see if it changed. Because I've had, we actually had some some bloody butcher corn or some quote unquote just red corn 
distilled from another distillery this past week that I got to try. It's different. I'm not going to say that I'm the biggest fan of the different corn varietals only because we know that <laughs> yellow number two corn has just damn, it's damn good sweet corn. Like I, that's, I think that's what people really gravitate towards. But Jeff the Creed is really trying to, you know, stake a claim and, and having something that is their, their heirloom and their varietal that they want to make sure that their people are known for. So I'd be interested in seeing if it's changed over the years. So moving on, Chattanooga Whiskey is introducing Batch 24 called Mint Infused. So inspired by their favorite springtime juleps and smashes, their mint-infused bourbon liqueur combines a four-year-old high-malt pot-distilled bourbon with an infusion of fresh mint, dried fruit, and a variety of aromatic botanicals. Both sweet and slightly tart, this bourbon liqueur is best served on ice and a perfect complement to a warm day in the sun. So the mash bill is yellow corn and Riverbend South Select malted barley and Riverbend Heritage malted barley. It's aged four years. It has an 85, it's, sorry, it's bottled at 85 proof. The batch size is only four barrels. The style here, of course, with everything that's been added to it, you know it's not bourbon, but it is a bourbon liqueur. It will be available exclusively at the Chattanooga Whiskey Experimental Distillery and also available on sealbox.com for $50. Now, if you're just now hearing about this and you didn't listen to last week's This Week in Bourbon, I put out on our Instagram page, Kenny's Big Batch Mint Julep Mix. And I always say I give it the run for the money as probably the best mint julep mix that you can make on the, that actually that you can make as a, as a big batch. I don't like to do every individual cup and make them like that. Instead, what I want to do is I just want to make a big batch of people just pour it on ice, stick a piece of mint in there and go ahead and start drinking. And what I created, I think is better than anything that you can get off the shelf from any major distillery that when you go and shop at stores. So make sure you go and Try it out for yourself. I, I saw some people in our our Discord that said that they tried it. And I, I put a little note on here that says, because I start off using 100 proof bourbon as the base for it. And I say, you can use 86, but 100 proof gets the people going. And there, of course, were a bunch of good Will Ferrell memes. And even some people replied and said, yep, we had two apiece for everybody last year. And it was more than enough because uh, the party the party got a little out of control at that point. So if you, uh, if you actually tried my mint julep mix, I'd love to hear your kind of thoughts about it. If you, if you would change anything, if it was just the right amount, if it was too much, if there's any good stories that came out of it, please go ahead, drop me a line, Kenny at bourbonpursuit.com. I'd love to be able to know about it. So the new Riff Whiskey Club is bringing a new house favorite and it's their finished i show you their first finished New Riff whiskey. So clocking in at 112.7 proof, it's an absolute barrel-proof stunner is what they say. So without further ado, they're pleased to announce the New Riff Sherry Finish 100% malted rye whiskey, barrel-proof and without chill filtration, and it's aged for at least six years. So this is what they said about it. They said, so we came to think of New Riff malted rye as a malt whiskey, which is a whiskey made from malted grains first and then a rye whiskey second. But in fact, what happens is when you malt a grain is that you change the character of the grain, arguably for the better or at least in favor of a more elegant or subtle presentation. So our New Riff malted rye, as we call it, or NRMR, doesn't taste like malted scotch or other single malts around the world. The production methods are very different, and they're aged in new charred oak barrels, but it does have much of the bearing of a malt whiskey, the overall style, shape, and personality that identify of a malted grain whiskey. Thusly, they said, we imported custom-made 53-gallon sherry casks from Spain, which had formerly aged Oloroso and Pedro Zimenez, 
or Pedro Jimenez, sherry wines. We filled them with New Rift malted rye whiskey, all from the fall 2015 season and all were five years old, and they dumped them into sherry casks in the fall of 2020. So 12 Oloroso casks and three Pedro Jimenez casks were all filled, and these were all considered first fill. They were actually first filled with whiskey after these, and aged another further year before being vatted into a tank in the fall of 2021 after six years of total aging. The barrels were left to marry and conditioned together for several months until bottling in the spring of 2022. There will also be a limited amount released in the spring to Kentucky. Now, all sales are limited to one bottle per person on a first-come, first-served basis via their online sale of their new Riff Whiskey Club. So make sure you go and check that out and get signed up. You must pick up your bottle in person within 60 days and has a suggested retail price of $70. I'll tell you what, the New Riff Whiskey Club, the, <laughs> the New Riff Whiskey, the, so the New Riff Whiskey Club is something I, I belong to now for a few years. And I have actually always been hesitant on buying these only because I felt like I got burned a few years ago. And that's when they came out with their peated release. I bought one of each. I bought one of the bourbon, one of the rye. We reviewed them on Whiskey Quickie and we were not fans. Like we we Brian and I, we hate smoke. We hate peat. We just can't stand it. So what do you think we're going to do? Do you think I'm going to go back and, and try to do it again? No. I mean, I should have because that's when they released the Balboa Rye. Now they're doing this one. I should jump on board and, and try to do it again. But man, you get burned one time and you, you don't want to go back to it because it's just like you, you don't know what's going to happen. Plus, I think a, a lot of us out there, I mean, we love New Riff, but we've got a, I love getting their picks. I love doing that. I know what to expect from it. So when you take that, that leap without hearing what other people have tried and New Riff, is not one like they don't give away samples for these so you don't hear any people like in the whiskey media realm that are reviewing these to give people an idea of what it does taste like but hey at this point they're not having any trouble selling out so kudos to them if they don't need to get the word out then that's all they need to get sell them then by all means go ahead and do it so our friends over at blue run spirits announced its second release of the year with the blue run reflection one kentucky straight bourbon whiskey the name Reflection One is chosen by two of the Blue Run's founders who faced personal challenges over the past two years in the middle of the pandemic while also launching Blue Run Spirits. So pulling from existing aging stocks, this refined bourbon at this particular proof is what they both enjoyed during this period, allowing them to reflect on what it truly matters, starting first and foremost with family. So Blue Run Reflection One Kentucky Straight Bourbon is a small batch whiskey with Jim Rutledge, who distilled these at Castle and Key back in 2018. So 200 of these barrels were chosen for this bottling. Each were toasted to a number three or a number four char, aged in Frankfurt and Bardstown. Reflection One is bottled at 95 proof and has an SRP of $90. We're always impressed by everything that people and the fellows over at Blue Run do. I hope you enjoyed our podcast with, with Mike and the team over there. I mean, what, what can you say? We I actually haven't had a chance to try this one yet. We have a bottle. We're going to review it for Whiskey Quickie. So I'm interested to kind of get into it. You know, we've we've had some... I'm not going to give too much away. We've, we've been trying some stuff at Castle and Key. It's a little, little iffy, some, whether we like it or not. But like I said, we'll save that for a Whiskey Quickie on, on some other ones a little bit later. But hey, when you got Jim Rutledge at the helm and he's choosing these and he's trying to find these cherry barrels... I mean, well, 200 is a lot of cherry barrels to kind of taste through. Um, but anyway, I, I think you're going to find a lot of good stuff coming out from Blue Run. And I, heck, I think even Blake sold these on Sealbox earlier this week. And it's one of those things that he's got to put out a, a teaser email that says these are going to sell out. They're going to go fast. 
I'm kind of curious there. Are you all falling for that? Is that, is that just good marketing? Is, is he able to get you all to buy just because he says that? Or are you all, are you all holding back? I don't know. I'd be interested to kind of know. So our kind of last headline to be able to talk about is that the Jack Daniel Distillery introduces Jack Daniels Bonded Tennessee Whiskey and Jack Daniels Triple Mash Blended Straight Whiskey as the first two permanent expressions of the brand's new Bonded series. Both Jack Daniels Bonded and Triple Mash are bottled and bond at 100 proof with packaging inspired by the original design of the 1895 Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey Bottle. As stipulated by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897, a bonded whiskey must be distilled by a single distiller during a single season, matured in a government-bonded warehouse for at least four years, and bottled at 100 proof. So Jack Daniels Bonded is Jack's time-honored recipe of 80% corn, 12% malted barley, and 8% rye. Jack Daniels Triple Mash is a blend of three straight bottled and bond whiskeys, 60% Jack Daniels Tennessee Rye, 20% Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, and 20% Jack Daniels American Malt. So Jack Daniels Bonded and Triple Mash will be available across the U.S. beginning in May, with international markets to follow later in 2022. It will initially be available in 700 ml bottles or 700 milliliters, which is pretty much common for the rest of the world. But now that the TTB is allowing us to have 700, so you'll start seeing more 700s enter the U.S. markets. And it will have a suggested retail price of $30 and $33 respectively. They will be available for pre-sale through Reserve Bar beginning May 3rd. Well, it's now May 6th, so hopefully you got your pre-sale in, including limited edition Jack Daniels gift items while supplies last. Now, I was a big fan of the Jack Daniels 10-year that came out. We have some of these bottles as well that will be available for review, so I'll be interested to kind of see. It was one of those things that it took a while for us to get on the Jack Daniels train. We always typically, I mean, we're Kentucky boys. Why would we think that Jack Daniels, is Jack Daniels bourbon? Is it not bourbon? Well, as we've grown, as we've grown in this podcast, we've grown in life and we've become more open to everything and we're not just you know, got our, got our blinders on for everything Kentucky, we realized that we both believe that Jack Daniels is a bourbon. Granted, they don't want to be called a bourbon, but they follow all the rules to be technically called a bourbon. So therefore, they are deserving to be called a bourbon on this week in bourbon. So I'm excited to be able to see the growth of these particular markets and these particular expressions to see exactly what it's, what it's going to bring. It's Jack Daniels typically isn't known for the innovation, except for the past few years, they started bringing in, uh, well, of course, you had the barrel proof uh, from a few years ago, which I think is really what caught people and really made people start paying attention to Jack Daniels from the bourbon world, because you can get some of these 130 to 142 proof single barrels, and they are knockouts. Like, they're amazing. And even their Jack Daniels rye barrel strength, amazing. So those are two that you're really going to dig. Now, the, the bonded might be a little bit of a different kind of a change of pace, but hey, who knows? I mean, I'll give it a try. I'm sure a lot of you give it a try too if it if it ends up in front of you. And heck, for $30, $33, why not give it a shot? But that's going to do it for this week in bourbon. I hope you enjoyed all my bad corny jokes and me laughing at myself. I promise next week we'll be back with Ryan and we'll have back to our normal regular programming. But with that, happy derby, everyone. Take care and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.